Good morning, everyone. I'm Susan Finch, your host for All Volunteer, All Heart from Binky Patrol. And as a continuation of our series, the Mr. Ballin Foundation series, I have invited Dr. Gina Crean from the Nashville Children's Alliance to come on. And she is a part of our new little Mr. Ballin family of people who have been helped by that wonderful, wonderful foundation. Gina, welcome. I'm so glad you were able to join me. Thank you for having me, Susan. It's so good to be with you. I think your words will be better than mine. Tell us about the mission of the Nashville Children's Alliance. And then I'll probably ask you a bunch of questions because I have so many in my head. Yes. Tell, tell me about the organization and how you came to be part of it. Yeah, absolutely. So the Nashville Children's Alliance is actually the Child Advocacy Center for Davidson County. We're in Nashville, Tennessee. And Children's Advocacy Centers, for those of you that are maybe not as familiar with them, we are a very specific type of nonprofit organization. Child Advocacy Centers are located all over the United States, and we have multiple in the state of Tennessee. But they were created as a way to really support survivors of child abuse, neglect, and witnesses to extreme violence. What happened was in about 1985, I believe it was, Mm -hmm. there was a district attorney. His name is Bud Kramer. And what used to happen when a child would disclose abuse or neglect or witnessed a crime or extreme violence is they would disclose that, right? And so, for example, they would go to their teacher at school and disclose that something had happened to them. And then the teacher would call the principal and the kid would have to tell their experience to that teacher. And then they would call the school counselor and they would have to tell them again. And then a parent would get called. They'd have to tell them again. Then a police officer would come. They'd tell their experience again. And then Department of Children's Services would come and it would continue on and on. And then court would happen. And so what happened one day is Bud Kramer walked into a courtroom ready to start a hearing for one of these situations. And he had talked to a kid and said, okay, you're ready to go into the courtroom. Tell me everything that happened. And this little one looked up at him and said, don't you people talk to each other? I've already told a million people this. And so out of that, a child advocacy center was born. And so what we do is we have kind of three tiers of supports that we give these kiddos. One of them at a child advocacy center is that we do forensic interviews. They are very specialized way of talking to a kiddo about what they've experienced, what things have happened in their life. And this is kind of the investigative part of this. A child can come to our center, talk to a very highly trained forensic interviewer one-on-one, and they tell their experience one time to one person in a child-friendly, non-leading way. It is a way that we can bring this to court too. It is legally defensible. And while this kiddo is talking to our trained forensic interviewer, the investigators can watch on a closed circuit way. So the kiddo doesn't even have to tell them directly what's happening. They get all their information they need for the investigation in order to keep them safe. So that's one thing that a child advocacy center does. Wow. Yes. The other way that we support them is we have a family advocacy program. So we know that this doesn't just directly affect the kiddo that it's happening to, right? It's a family system situation. So they provide emotional support, social supports and resource and referral connections to these families throughout this process. And then the last tier is that we provide crisis, short-term and long-term mental health support to these kiddos 
siblings of these kiddos and other family members that are not offending caregivers to them. So we can be in these children's lives for a short amount of time, all the way up through years, because we know that sometimes these take years to go to court and to trial. And so we are really heavily involved in a child advocacy center. And that's kind of what we do here at the Nashville Children's Alliance. Wow. It seems like it should be such a no brainer Mm. to implement this, but I wonder how unique you are across the country. How many have followed your lead with this pattern? Mm -hmm. Do you know that how unique you are or? Well, I will say that children's advocacy centers are unique in the way that we support and treat child abuse and neglect just on their own. I am I'm lucky. I'm super lucky. I'm originally from Michigan and came to Tennessee a couple of years ago. And I had the very humble, I'm super humble about and thankful for the experience to work in a couple of children's advocacy centers up in Michigan as well. And so everybody kind of has their own culture in their county and in their state. But at the root of it, we are a trauma-informed agency to our core. I mean, we are very intentional with it. And we are very expert in what we can do for child abuse and neglect. We're the specialists in the county. And as far as that goes, we try to just really support other people that are involved in as far as the professional aspect of it and making sure that these kiddos are getting taken care of both short-term and long-term. So what if they're too little and they can't speak for themselves? What if it's a baby? What if it's a baby who has an abusive mom or a drug addicted mom that is endangering this child and neglecting this child and the father is doing his best to try and what do you do about a baby? Yeah, that's a super good question, Susan. We see that all the time, unfortunately. And so what we do is we work as a team. It's really a wraparound approach to looking at all aspects. No situation is the same. And so at the core, we are there to keep a kiddo safe and to do our best to give best long-term outcomes for them, right? So the uniqueness of this work is that we get to kind of wrap around and look at this from every single lens of professional professionalism, really, in order to give these kids the best support, whether they can't speak and they right. you know, will never find out what they do per a forensic interview. We look at other aspects of what's going on in their life. Wow. The reward, I'm sure, is beyond anything, like you were saying, You're humbled by it, blessed by it. So how did you come to the Children's Alliance Center in Michigan? I mean, Mm -hmm. what got you into this? Yeah, well, to be totally honest, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my career. I'm a social worker. (laughs) I decided one day after seeing a social worker, I was a nursing assistant. And so I saw a social worker work in the hospital. And that day I went home and changed my major. I was like, this is what I have to do. And then I was like, what am I going to do with this? Right. And one day on my college campus, the director of the local uh, children's advocacy center came and talked to a group of us students. And I, I was hooked ever since I heard her mission. I went up to her after uh, her presentation and said, do you ever take interns? I was super honored to be chosen as their intern. And it's in my blood now. I mean, I was so thankful to be hired by them. And just all through my career, I've been in this work for a little over a decade now. And a couple of years ago, right before COVID, it was a great time to move. I decided time to move down to Tennessee, where I've always wanted to be. I have some family down here. And 
again, super honored to just get the opportunity to work at the Nashville Children's Alliance and, and with this team here. Buck Blodgett from Love is Greater Than Hate. We met him, you know, mm -hmm. on the call and mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. And he was talking to me about when we get our callings and when you answer that call. And the folks over at the Texas Equus Services, same mm -hmm. thing for EquiSearch. Mm -hmm. And one of their directors said the same thing. He said, you know, we just knew you get called. Mm -hmm. and everybody gets called in a different way. It isn't like the priesthood or being a nun or anything like that. It's a, but it is that deep calling and you don't have a choice and it isn't, there is no ego. There is no waiting to get the pat on the back. It's just this, it's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. I couldn't agree more with the rest of our, our colleagues that have gotten a yeah. chance to kind of put that out into the world. It is, it's just the most honoring experience. This is the biggest honor of my life to do this work. I can't believe me and my, my teammates here say, we can't believe we get to do this every day. Now, do you have a family? Yes, I do have a family, no children, but lots of fur babies. <laughs> lots of fur babies. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm wondering, well, I mean, your extended family, your siblings or anybody else, yes. yeah. you yeah. said your family's all there. Mm -hmm. What has been their reaction to your work and are any of them in anything similar? Mm -hmm. I would say that they are very supportive, but it's very hard to understand what we do. And there's a lot of trauma, vicarious trauma that comes with this work for the professionals that are involved. And so I do my best to kind of not bring that home and into them. It's super important to me to protect them and their mental health from some of the things that I am exposed to every day and my teammates are exposed to every day. So it's very hard to have family that don't really understand what you do by no fault of their own. Right. Right. So that's kind of a different dynamic of this work too. You get very close with the people that you work with and that is where you gain your support and your empowerment and motivation to continue to do this work. Well, you see that it, people that work in ERs, mm -hmm. people that work in police, it becomes your family for a reason Yeah, because they understand what you're going through. They can support it. And you're right. Outsiders don't always get it. And it was interesting. I was so excited about these interviews and have felt, talk about it calling. It's like, I need to get all of your stories out there. But I shared one of them, just the highest level mission statement with a friend of mine and she was left without words and it, she couldn't even continue our conversation. She was so devastated by hearing mm. that there was a need for that type of organization. Yeah. And I don't always realize that, I guess, because I am wrapped up in who we give our blankets to. I know that there's bad things out there and there are good people trying to heal those bad things, but everyday people don't know. Right. Yeah. You have no idea what goes on behind the scenes and how it can drag out. I'm wondering if you, there are a couple of pieces of this. I know somebody in particular that, gosh, could benefit from children's advocacy group. Yeah. What is the best way for them to get in touch with their local organization that does this? And I mean, you were in Michigan. Mm -hmm. Did they handle it the same way where it's one point person? that here's the story. 
because that repetitiveness is so traumatic for the children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's traumatic for anybody that's gone through it. And I go, th- I mean, just with doctors. Yeah. You put all the information, you tell somebody, and the next person asks you the same questions. Are you not writing this down? Right. Is this not going? Why are you asking what medications I'm on? Mm-hmm. Is it not in there? Can you just review it and verify? And after that, are we done? Right. The, yes. Oh, it, the lack of communication and passing the information. It is. It's maddening. It just it drains you. So I can't even imagine in these yeah. traumatic situations, these kiddos having to do that. What do you know about other locations? Do they adopt the same method? Yeah, that is such a good question, Susan. And that is what is unique to our children's advocacy centers across the United States. We are an accredited program. And so I am so thankful that we all follow a very similar protocol. Now, they're a little, you kind of pick your own flavor depending on what works for your county and dynamics and resources and what spaces look like, different things like that. So They look a little bit different, but everybody follows really similar protocol. And just like you were saying, it's so much re-traumatization to talk about these things again and not to get too blunt with it, but you just use the example of medication, which is a great example because that's vulnerable to talk about. And we are expecting these kids to come in and essentially talk about their last sexual experience. And so I think even as adults, you know, put you in a room and ask you really, really vulnerable questions. And then we just expect these kids to answer it and not have any repercussions of the event itself. And then talking about it. I mean, that's just, we need to do better for these, these kids, these things have happened to them. They did not ask for it to happen. We can't change what happened, but how do we really support them in the trajectory of as healthy of a life that we can produce now for them? Oh, I, I just think about that. I'm learning so much from all of you. And my own frustrations with that. And I know people that are going through similar situation with their children, trying to protect them, trying to advocate for them. And that's what their weariness from the same thing over and over. And my guess is they have not found their local advocacy center by them that is part of your system. So is there a national site people can go to to see if there's a location near them that they could connect with? Yeah, we do have a National Children's Advocacy Center, which is very exciting. So really a simple Google of that. And they're always there for you to point you in the direction. But what I would say is reach out per your county. That's how they're kind of set up. So just even a Google of we're in Davidson County. So if you Google Children's Advocacy Center, Davidson County, Tennessee, they will have some information on that. And absolutely, I will put this out there right now. Y'all are listening to me and I would love to have contact information. You can always reach out to me no matter where you are in the United States. And I will at least point you in the direction of where your most local, we call them CACs for short, but where your local CAC is. I'm happy to do that. Oh, that is, that's generous. Thank you. Because mm-hmm. there are people that that's just the kickstart. They need to know where to get started because they've had false starts or other frustrations because they were led down some other path that didn't get them far. And you're right. The schools, a lot of times are the first point. And if they are not trained, if the school districts don't know where to direct people and to say, well, let's stop this right here. Let's bring in our partners. Let's bring them in and let them take it from here. 
Absolutely. And you know, Susan, not to go off on a a little bit of a tangent now, but you brought up schools and we are in such a unique situation right now. I, I can speak a little bit closer to home, but back in March, we had a really tragic school shooting here in Nashville. And that is something that our Child Advocacy Center, we are the specialists on this extreme trauma. And so we have been supporting our community through that, but also there are a lot of things in our country right now that are really bringing reaction as far as mass violence. And so reach out to your Children's Advocacy Center for that too. If you notice that your kiddo is having any type of reaction to that, they're the trauma specialists in your area. They will be able to, at the minimum, point you in the right direction on how to support your kiddo through this. And they don't have to be a direct victim of this. We're seeing it on the news. It's in social media. It's inundated in our kiddos' lives. So just as another thing that a child advocacy center can help with would be something like that. Are there ways for everyday people like me to help your organization? We always say that we would love to work ourselves out of a job. We don't want child abuse. We don't want child neglect, witness to violence, nothing like that. And so I would say just the biggest thing is awareness for that child abuse is happening, bringing conversation up, bringing it into your conversation, not letting the stigma of it take control of it. Because on average, one in seven kids are going to be abused by their 18th birthday. Over 600,000 kids were known abuse survivors in the last year. And that's just the ones we knew of that were disclosing and ready to start talking about it. You mean over the nation? Over the nation. I'm sorry. Yeah. Over the nation. Yeah. Here in Davidson County, we saw over even just like 1600 cases, which is huge last year. So I think just as a community, that's number one, starting the process of talking about it and taking the stigma out of it and supporting. The other thing that we can do is learn how to talk to kids about this. If they are ready to disclose the biggest indicator of them being supported is a supportive adult. And we have to check our own reactions. These are really hard things to hear that kids are talking about. So that on top of that. And the other thing that I can say is we are nonprofit. Most of us are, oh my gosh, grant funded to the max. We don't have a lot of money to work with and we don't have a lot of staff. We don't have a lot of support resources. We get really creative with our time. So reach out to your children's advocacy center. We know that kids, for example, kids that have experienced trauma have to eat every two hours. And so we are always stocked with snacks and water and things like that, like little things like that. If you're just maybe at your Costco and want to pick up something and donate, those little things go a really, really long way. So reach out to your local children's advocacy center and see how you can support them with day-to-day things like that, because those are the things that we don't We have to get really creative with our resources, our monetary resources for. So thinking about what our mission is, you know, we make blankets and give them to children that are ill and abused. Would blankets for your kiddos? We would love blankets. Love, love, love blankets. Yes. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, we have our big event at the end of October. I heard it's coming up, isn't it? I'm so excited. Yes. I know. And we have, I think, seven chapters across the country that are doing this. Okay, wonderful. And we will be, we are only giving to all of the Mr. Ballin focused 
organizations. Oh, you got and it. so I'm trying to connect with all of you. And I wrote to some of you asking, do you need blankets? Because I will get people that will write to me and say, hey, we're going to have this event. We'll have 100 blankets. Who needs them? Mm-hmm. And so I want to, now I have a nice network. If I can't reach any of our our new Mr. Ballin family directly, mm-hmm. I know to go to the CAC. I love that. And, and thank find you. a local chapter and say, hey, guys, we have this for you. I love that so much. And thank you for even thinking about children's advocacy centers. Thanks for all your organization does makes a huge difference. These kids need to know that they matter. Yeah. That they have not been shoved under the rug, that they are important, that they're not invisible, that they deserve love. Mm -hmm. They deserve respect. They deserve to be heard. And we just do it in different ways. I will look up what the national CAC is, um, children's, um, <laughs> I know children's at national children's advocacy center. So it's national mm-hmm. Go there, find your local chapter, find your local offices that could use your help. Maybe you need their help. Maybe you know somebody that needs to have somebody in their corner to help them navigate the trauma. So check them out, find out local locations, but we know in Nashville, we know where to go. Yes, please reach out to me. That's one of my favorite things to do too, is to connect everybody so together. Where can, where, you are. where can we find you on LinkedIn? Where else? Oh yeah. LinkedIn, come to LinkedIn. You can actually email me right from our nashvillechildrensalliance.org. I am on the staff page. Please feel free to reach out. My contact information is that way. And actually I even with Nashville Children's Alliance, do a lot of consultation on these issues. And so on Instagram, I'm at solid roots therapy and you are welcome to look that up as well. There we go. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Gina, for joining us, telling us and informing us of yes. ways that we can continue to heal these children. Absolutely. Thank you, Susan, for the opportunity to meet with you today. And thank you for everything that you all are doing. All right, everybody, you know where to go to subscribe, binkypatrol.show or any of your favorite podcast apps. If you want to learn more about Binky Patrol, go to B-I-N-K-Y-P-A-T-R-O-L.org. And yes, our site will be going through a facelift. So if you run into a couple of bumps, bear with us. We're working on a rebuild to bring us into this decade. (laughs) Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you, Gina. Thank you, Susan. This podcast is sponsored by Impact for Good at impact4good.com. Impact for Good is the one source for bringing community service to your next event. Exciting and engaging team building activities are just part of what they offer. Let them identify the best cause or beneficiary to support, manage the donation logistics, and bring the spirit of community service to your group. From your initial request through the day of your event, Impact for Good handles all the details. Be sure to visit them at impact4good.com. That's impact for good.